Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Salk with Solutions Brewing Company. And today on the podcast, I am joined by Robert Kalachuk and Brendan Pipa. And today we are talking about uh, our first group brew on our new pilot system. So a little backstory for this. I think, Rob, you were randomly on Facebook Marketplace or something like this uh, many weeks ago. And a home brewer was selling a, was it, it's a 20 gallon system? I'm trying to remember. I don't know what it is in gallons. It's 50 liters though. Yeah. So yeah, well, pretty close. It's like a 15, 17 gallon system. Uh, Again, I don't know how he was using it for a homebrew system because that is an that is a lot of beer to be brewing at once. Like that's a very large system. Like a standard homebrew setup, even like a large one is like a five gallon setup, which is twenty liters. So yeah, this guy was brewing about three times as much. Anyways, Rob, you're on the Facebooks, you saw it, uh, let us know about it, and we said, sure, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And uh we had the opportunity this past weekend to actually use it for the first time as a group and kind of see what was going on there. Actually, there's a little bit of a story. I know. I don't actually, I'm not actually, I don't have a personal Facebook page, but people who are on Facebook like to tell me things that they find. <laughs> so, and uh, I have a friend who uh, who was on there and spotted this. He also kind of came across it too, because he used to work with this person. And coincidentally enough, I live in Airdrie and so does this other guy. It's not even across town. It's literally the next community over. So it was, it was kind of funny how that worked out, but yeah, the, the guy had it up for a pretty good deal. He had this equipment. Uh, he hadn't actually brewed for a couple of years. Uh, he had it and then found out that he is allergic to beer. So he wasn't able to make beer. And with this thing just sitting in his garage for a while, he uh, decided to sell it. So it was a really good deal for all everything that was there. And we're like, oh, well, can't let that go. So for one thing, the brew kettle is very large, very, very large. It's electric, only one heating element, which is not too bad. But it uses a power controller, which I've never had to use before. And this power controller plugs into a, is it a 220 or 240 uh, volt? I uh, can't remember. Whatever the dryer is, which I think is 240. 240, I think. Yeah. 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 So the plug works a little bit different. That's to supply enough power to the heating element. And uh, can also supply power to a few other extra plugs so that you can, like, say, plug in a uh, small 12 volt pump or whatever, pump liquid all around. Pretty super handy. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's about the size of a keg. <laughs> if anyone <you> <laughs> knows what a keg looks like, it's a little bit larger than that, just so that you can, uh, if you think a keg or, well, in Canada, kegs are 50 liters mostly. So the system is made to fill one of those. Really, really, we need pictures. You should just check our social social for pictures. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll be posting pictures of this thing for today's episode. I, I I mean, the, the change in volume and the, the requirement for the special plug kind of define the adventure that we got into and how it's going to work for us. And one of the other things that we, we need to mention here is the, the mash ton size was an interesting challenge as well. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. So this the system we bought came with just a, a normal kind of, what, what it's like a 10-gallon cooler or something like that, Yeah. which isn't quite appropriately sized if you're trying to do a 15 gallon brew and get the appropriate uh, grain bill and the the mash size that you want so fortunately rob already has uh, a second 10 gallon mash ton but we we needed to utilize two of these which caused a, a little bit of challenges on the front end of this this whole brew so getting to uh the the point of the brew we mentioned in a previous podcast a, a competition that we're we're undergoing here with the the partners at solutions brewing the goal of this uh trial with the new pilot system was to brew the uh base wort for this competition which was uh, a 
copy of our missing piece blonde nail. And it's a relatively simple grain build, but because now we had to do it in two different mashes, the first step that we had to approach with this, and I, I guess I'm just getting right into the brew, pro brew process, that guys, I don't know if there's anything else we wanted to say before I start rambling on about this. Well, we can talk about the fun we had with the miller. The malt mill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll get it. So starting starting off the whole thing. First, we got uh, you're starting with just your unmilled grain, and raw, we, we had the mill there, so we're going to mill it out. But we have to separate the grain bill into two different, uh, relatively equal portions because we're going to do two different mashes. And we're measuring out. I, I think the total grain bill ended up being uh, it's a little under thirty pounds of grain, which is quite a bit more than we would usually deal with. And the first step, of course, is milling. Set up the mill, measure it out. It only holds about four pounds at a time. So there's you're repeating this process many, many times. Uh, and of course, uh, we don't typically use this mill for that much grain at a time. And we started running into a, a bit of an issue. <laughs> uh, it it stopped milling. Yeah. Yep. So because was it we we took it apart because we thought grain was getting stuck by one of the rollers. Took it all out, put it back in, tried again. It was still stuck. Took it out. We tried to widen the space so it looked like it was milling, but it wasn't because we did a whole bunch of grain that way. Yeah, that's and... right. We had the gap was too large that we were actually just feeding grain through it without crushing it. Yeah, so so there was one bucket we had to do twice, which was just great, uh, which kind of made it a little, I think, a little bit gummy for the actual mash later, uh, just because twice milled grain is not what you want. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we didn't have that much trouble with the mash, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that took definitely, uh, that was probably a good 20 minutes, 25 minutes we took to basically take that apart and troubleshoot that until we finished it. Oh, it definitely extended it by about that. So emptied all the grain, vacuumed up the mess we made, repositioned the roller, or tried to pry out all the grain, vacuumed everything out, blew everything out, adjusted the roller, pushed all the grain through, realized we had opened it up too much, and so it wasn't actually milling, adjusted the roller back, back to the starting position actually which is kind of fun we we went too tight then too big and then back to where we started and then milled everything else without issue yeah so yeah. only made a small minor mess and then i mean this is why i got him into vacuums right so uh got everything cleaned up so now we had our, our grain milled and fortunately we had the foresight to put the water on uh, the heater to try to get everything up to strike temperature before we could start. Went out to the garage to where the water was heating and what did we find there, guys? We were almost <laughs> boiling water, which is way too hot. <laughs> Turns out the water had been on temp for about 20, 25 minutes longer than we had initially planned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we were quite a bit higher on temperature. Um, luckily, it's, it's easy to cool things. You just take it off the flame and... Uh, open a beer <laughs> yeah uh so basically any rookie mistake you can think of we did it <laughs> that's kind of yeah we did all the rookie things you know if anyone here who's like seasoned brewer they're just like these guys are just a bunch of clowns <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and it is it is just because of the new system and the newer volume uh, volume and kind of like working out the kinks of the new process but it was fun. So that was the first rookie mistake. What what happened after that? We did manage to get the the mash in at the appropriate temperature. I believe it held temperature fairly. Yeah, well. we had no problems uh, doing the mash. Yeah, once we once we had that our, our uh, temperature good, we had that to our grain, no problem. So then you know that that's sitting for an hour, uh, and then we had to transfer to our our boil kettle. Now because the system plugs into a dryer plug, and well, like most people, I you know, only have access to one dryer. So there's only one plug, which is where the dryer is. So it's in my basement. So we had to set up, uh, what I got like a, a stray cupboard 
uh, with a top on it. So we were able to move that over into the laundry room, put our boil kettle on top of that, and have everything <laughs> get everything plugged in. Well, like unplugging the the dryer. So everything's kind of like uh, I don't uh, how tall would you so say everything's, that is? Uh, so everything's that's like ooh, I don't know, picture about five feet. The top of this about five feet to about the top five of your dryer. Feet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, okay, well, we still need to either lift and hold these mash tons up above to pour into it if you're going to do gravity feed or you can do what we did which is we have a pump and we're going to pump it up but the other challenge with this is we also needed our sparge water to supply into the mash tons and and we only we only had one pump so fortunately the washer dryer is a little bit taller than the boil kettle which is also a little bit higher than where the mash tons were sitting so we we, we <laughs> I I think I missed the actual lift. I think you did this this one on your own, Rob. As you just uh, he man lifted the the sparge water yeah, up I to just, the top of the just top of the washer. <laughs> and so we had the elevation there, but now we had to figure out a system by which we could sparge into the mash tun at the same time that we were pumping out of it into the boil kettle without well avoiding uh, a stuck mash. I, I we we definitely had some trouble. With yeah, that. I wonder if we have a picture of this goofy setup because there's like. <laughs> What is it like? One of us is holding the pump to make sure it's like all the hoses reach because the hoses were a little short. Uh, and when we had that, we needed like another a third person to turn the pump on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what we what we ended up doing. So we started. This is another rookie mistake. Is we started with uh, the mash tons on the ground, so just down at grade, um, with the pump right beside it there, and then we were trying to pump up four four feet into the boil kettle while sparging down into the into the mash tun um yeah. <laughs> and not a bad idea but the problem with these pumps is you got to prime a pump before it goes otherwise you're just going to keep compressing air and nothing's going to happen and the pump's going to sit there worrying and you're you're going to be annoyed with what's going on so we open the valve to the to the pump and we turn everything on and nothing happens <laughs> and we spend a lot of time uh, a little bit of time trying to figure out what's going on is the pump working yes this end's getting hot so we're mucking around and there's another five minutes spent trying to figure out how that's going and then we figure out okay well yes no you have to prime the pump so we're going to give it a little bit of positive uh positive pressure we're going to lift the mash tun up and put it on the freezer which is lower than the washer so you can still gravity feed the sparge water into the mash tun across the the little way here <laughs> yeah. um, and then you'll have enough elevation from the mash tun down to the pump so that you can prime the pump so the pump can push everything back up into the boil kettle it was a lovely system and the the hoses were just they were just perfect they were just the right length but definitely a little awkward <laughs> oh yeah it's probably the most awkward brew day i've ever had i, I would think <laughs> So we end up getting this sorted for one mash tun. And then we realize, oh, yeah, yeah, we have another mash tun there. Yeah. <laughs> so now we have to disconnect this system from the one mash tun and connect it to the next one, yeah. which normally wouldn't be that much of an issue. Uh, but, of course, the the pump's now at a lower level. And you don't want to drain any of this fluid back into the old mash tun because it's good wort and all that sort of stuff. So you're like, okay, well, we're going to pull it off the old mash tun and lift the, lift the pump up so that you don't pull any of the water back. It's just going to try to gravity feed into the boil kettle. But then, of course, these pumps can backspin, and me and my infinite wisdom didn't lift the pump high enough to be above the liquid level, so things start <laughs> flying back at me. And, I mean, didn't lost maybe a couple teaspoons before I remembered that, yeah, we got valves for a reason and shut the valves so that nothing flew back at me. <laughs> we got that sorted, and then we got the second mash tun. We figured out the second mash, the second mash tun went smooth. So that was cool. The other cool thing about this system, though, is it's, it's got a whirlpool port. Because we had a pump, we were able to actually whirlpool the, the wort during the boil. Yeah, which was... Uh pretty critical because uh we did at least one 
one veteran move before doing this brew, and that was uh, we did fill it with water, and then we turned it on to see how it would heat. And uh, when we did that, we found out, well, okay, uh, when, when nothing's moving, only the water around the, the heating element is really getting hot. Everything else is still pretty cool or whatever, like it doesn't circulate through. That was good. So we were able to realize that, oh yeah, we need to, if we circulate the liquid, then it'll pull the heat away from the element and, you know, circulate, distribute that between the rest of the liquid. Yeah, because you can't rely just on, you know, the because if you do it on a stove or something like that, you're just relying on the water boiling and percolating to to move the heat, or you can move it manually with a spoon if you're you have a small enough system. But with this, yeah, using the whirlpool was definitely the way to <laughs> ensure that that heat was actually getting circulated and we're yeah. hitting our temperature. Yeah, yeah, and I mean just a, a little further discussion on the the pot on the stovetop there versus what we have with our brew kettle. So on the stove, you. Your, your flame, your heating element heats the pot, which diffuses the heat and then spreads it around for the water, whatever fluid you have in there. And there's enough kind of diffusion there for convection to do its thing and all that fun stuff. And But with our element being right in there and being at whatever temperature that darn thing gets to, there's less serious, so there's higher heat. It, yeah, we covered it already. I'm just going off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> it's the engineer in me that it just goes nerding out there a little bit. But um no, that was probably my favorite part of the the whole the whole brew, the whole brew day. So we got the the wort transferred over and sparged out, and everything was set up good. Disconnected from the second mash tun, and then did our little um, quick switch for the the pump because we were initially pumping into just the the bottom drain to fill the kettle, and then for the whirlpool, the whirlpool tap actually pulls off the bottom drain, and then you pump up into kind of what it would be about a third of the way up the vessel. Yeah, that's yeah, about, third yeah. and a half. Yeah. Yeah, so a third to half, and and it's submerged by the the wart by this point. So this was one of the questions. Well, we got this little pump. Is that actually going to be moving enough wart to to cause the circulation that we need and that we know we we want to see here? And so we finally get it all set up and push the button. And after a very very small amount of time, you just start to see the whole wart thing start cir- turning in this slow circle. And it was just a, a really cool practical thing to see from a, a process point of view yeah i was uh, i was worried that the pump wouldn't be strong enough to push through all that liquid but uh prove me wrong yeah that's <laughs> a powerful little pump for what it is it is actually a pretty quiet pump too it didn't doesn't make a mm-hmm. can't even hear it super quiet mm-hmm. so then after that we re-retired to you know let the boil happen and do our hop additions when they uh when they occurred well we ordered some pizza uh, too right we did order some pizza very important but we then ran into our uh, <laughs> our other thing again, not knowing the system before. That system can be very aggressive in heating, and very very aggressive. Because yeah, didn't you come back down after doing like the next ward edition, Rob? Or not that next not the ward edition. edition? No, I went and, to go check to see if there was a boil, and yeah. uh, so to, to add, start adding hops, and it, it boiled over. <laughs> <laughs> so my laundry room was. Uh, hot and sticky and smelt like wort for a while well and we only had the element at like i think was it like 70 percent power like uh, it wasn't it was, i think it might have even been less than that it might have been like 60 or 50 but yeah i had to turn it down to like 50 or 40 yeah so that's definitely a thing for next time like yeah we can crank the power to get it warm but then we'll have to like definitely dial it back once we're actually in the boil phase because you like we, we want a nice roiling boil not a boil going everywhere sort of thing yeah yeah 
I, th I think the solution here for this one, guys, is to get the thermocouple because our controller can can accommodate it. We just need to buy the part and rig it in. Yeah, totally. And then you do that, and then then it'll just turn itself on and off depending on the temperature of the wart, right? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> set yeah. set it and forget it, and then that, that's the way for us to go for sure. Yeah, keeping it manual is definitely a, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> but that was kind of our last uh, big amateur mistake in this this brew. I mean, it happened at kind of the last step, which we'd hope that'd be the last mistake. But yeah, that was it. After that, uh, <laughs> chilling wasn't a problem. It just looked interesting because we ran a hose from outside inside the house <laughs> yeah. to run it through the chiller. And then we had a, a hose going from that end into, uh, what do you call those, those laundry sinks or janitor style sinks uh, that I have. And uh, yeah, we were just dumping water in there. So it was, it was a bit of a sight and definitely not something you do in the winter. <laughs> I mean, that is if I were to keep doing it in the house like that. But figure out oh, an attachment you, from the sink. Yeah, you can get a different faucet that has like the the hose attachments. I used yeah. to have one at my my previous place. Yeah, that that would do the trick, right? And then you just yeah. run cold water from there. Absolutely. So yeah, we chilled everything out. We divvied up our wart, and now we're all uh, what uh, two weeks or a week and a half into our competition process here. Steve, you've been very open with what you're making. Rob, you've been very cagey, and I've been somewhere in the middle. So yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm like I don't know. It's it's always a gamble when you're doing like of course we're doing a competition, and then uh, I'm trying stuff that I haven't done before with ingredients I haven't done before. So it's kind of like, eh. <laughs> how much do you want to save before you taste it? Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't know if, I don't know if I want to build it up and be like, hey, this is the ingredients that I tried, and everyone's gonna be like, oh my god, that's gonna be amazing, and then it turns out to be shit. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm definitely using a new hop or whatever. So we'll see how it turns out because I'm really interested in the flavors it might be able to bring to the table. But it's whether or not they they actually come through strong enough. Because uh, I did because part of my process is actually I took the wart back, I reboiled my wart for a thirty. Uh, at least a thirty minute addition, and then I am I'm dry hopping it right now too. So we'll see how it goes. That means your IBUs are going to be higher because it's reboiled. Yeah. No, I actually had to add some water to it because otherwise I was going to lose a, a, a decent amount of volume. So. Oh, that'd be a good way to cheat for the competition. You know, when it's we're supposed to see who's who gets uh, through the most volume. And you you actually start <laughs> with less. It down, yeah. <laughs> well, I and that's the thing. I legit went down to like three and a half gallons or whatever. So I had to bring it back up to because I think I started with about four. So I had to bring it back up to four. So. <laughs> and and for people. Who have listened to other episodes we're pretty sure that steve didn't reuse his garden hose to fill that thing up so i yeah, yeah. you learned that mistake once <laughs> only once <laughs> oh yes yeah, a pleasant bitter forward ipa with a nice rubber finish that's right <laughs> <laughs> you could taste the citrusy hops followed by a hint of rubber and uh we'll call it We'll call it the the Urban House Funk Beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to tasting both your beers and then watching you guys concede that mine is the best. Oh, yeah. Well, we still need to iron out some details about when and where we're going to make this happen now. Oh, absolutely. Beers are going to be ready soon. We gotta we gotta set the event <laughs> and we gotta bring people around. Well, we'll let everyone know uh, how it goes after we. We go through the tasting. If you want to see some pictures of our brew day, we'll be posting them on our our socials there. Char, if Rob, if you can remind everybody how to how to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Solutions Brewing Co. You can find us there. 
And if you have any fantastic brewing stories or you've done a competition and you have some advice or you have some ideas for what we could do for other competitions or what else we could use this pilot system for, send us an email at no problems at solutionsbrewing.com. Well, there you go. I just took a breath to say it. Good. You stepped in there, Steve. It's perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> that right. moment is like the, uh, I don't know if you've seen that Bo Burnham special, The Inside. Yeah. But there's a part there where he's doing, he's doing a little jig and he like, he cuts himself off. He's like, big fucking breath. <laughs> you know, that's the big fucking breath moment there, right there. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll see you all next time. Um, and for those who were listening and thought that this was a little too much of a technical discussion on the brewing process, we'll talk about something else next week. Yeah. Or let us know if you like want more technical, less technical, whatever. We're totally open for suggestions. We like all kinds of feedback. That's right. All right. See you next time, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Take care.